0: Hello, welcome to episode 3 of Cow Corner. Uh, it is Tuesday the 28th of July, uh, the evening here in the UK, mid-afternoon over in the States. Glenn, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Been a been a busy day, we're a little bit delayed, but
2: thank you for waiting for me, Dan.
0: Oh, it's fine, I'll, I'll be up at any hour to chat about the cricket. i going to be reflecting on the third test between England and West Indies, which concluded uh, on day 5, or quite a few hours ago now, it's a bit of a short day 5. Um. Quickly summarise the game. England won by 269 runs. Our predictions were again correct, Glenn, were they? What did we say last week? I think we said a comfortable England win. And that it was um, England losing the toss um, for the third time in the series. Uh, I think the first time a team's lost all three tosses um, and won the series. Uh, put 369 on the board. Uh, an important knock from Ollie Pope. Uh, an important partnership with Joss Butler as well. Uh, 91 and 67 respectively So England get to 369 uh, Shout out to Stuart Broad's knock of 62 or 45 balls Which really turned the momentum of the game We'll come to that in much more detail later in the podcast uh, The West Indies' first innings response was 197 all out A real top order collapse and some useful knocks from Holder and Dowrich Down the end of the order with 46 and 37 But yeah, not much to write home about with their batting uh, Stuart Broad with 6 for 31 his um, best return for a long time and we'll come to the Stuart Broad issue later as well 6 for 31 for him 2 for 28 uh, for Anderson 1 for 72 for Archer and 1 for 57 for Woke so all, all four bowlers getting stuck in England uh, their second inning is a quick fire toward the end a score of 226 for 2 a declaration from Captain Joe Root all three batsmen with good scores Burns, 90, Sibley, 56, and Root, overrun 68. Uh, saw England declare on the end of day three, knowing that day four was apocalyptic Manchester weather, as it was. <laughs> we'll come to that again. It was pretty, pretty depressing, really. We came back on day five after a sort of mini break in the middle of the test and the West Indies second inning. Saw them bowled out for 129. Uh, broad with four, four for 36, finishing with match figures, uh his third 10 uh, 10 wicket match uh in his career and the wizards our best friend chris wokes with five for 50 a cheeky little run out from Bess, who we'll get on to he didn't a single ball this test match but he got himself stuck in uh, with a run out of Ross and chase uh top score shy hope with 31 for the west indies in innings that really felt like they were looking forward to that plane journey home That was the test match. England win the series 2-1. They uh, win the Wisden Trophy for the final time. It's going to be renamed at the next meeting between the two sides. Uh, A really fun series. Again, a really fun match. Glenn, after that summary, give me your your sort of opening thoughts on on the game.
2: Again, thank you, Dan, for that great summary. There's so much to talk about. Number one. England, as we've discussed in previous podcasts, have found an opening pair that we're confident in. I love Burns and Sibley together. They, you know, they come out and we just don't expect to be, you know, 15 for two after the first four or five overs. We expect them to put on a total to see off that real shiny new ball at the start of every innings, and they do it. I mean, looking at the scores, Burns looked fantastic for his 57 and 90. Very unlucky not to get um, get to 100. Caught by Sub, that, that common player that we always so see cropping guy. up.
1: <laughs> <So> <laughs> he did more than be best.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Sibley, unfortunate in the first innings, getting that getting that LBW from Roach, who looked lively. Uh, but that 56, although we can discuss later on in the podcast whether they were scoring a little bit too slowly in the context of the game, I don't mind it because they look confident, they got their heads down, and we've been begging for test batsmen for years now, and we've finally found two. That is a huge moment, I think, for England England collectively. This test solidified those two, in my opinion. So that was really uh, inspiring, I would say, as someone, you know, we've sat through some dre- a dreadful rotation of openers for, for years now. So this is great. The bowling, I think there is so much to talk about. We have Broad just dominating, demanding his place in the team and, you know, coming up with the big chat and really seeing it through. He bowled beautifully. And that 62 was probably my highlight of the test match because it was just like it was like a, a cheap fairground. You know, you pay. You don't expect much <laughs> from it. You don't. It's not fun very often. But my goodness, when it does hit the spot, I couldn't believe it. He was he just
0: paid. out tickets. The raffle tickets were just flying out of that machine. You didn't expect it to really. The machine's not paid out for a while. Exactly. Ten boundaries, you know, nine fours, big six.
2: It just had everything. And as you said, it really um, it really put the, the nail in that West Indies coffin because they were already tired. And to see someone who must have had I would love to have the figure on hand, but he's had a very poor test average in the you know, since that since that bouncer, um, in the in the grill, you know, since that injury batting, he's really not looked himself. And it was one of those innings in a in a different in a different game, a different circumstance, he gets out second ball because he swings and he misses. But just it gave us that bit of energy at the end of the innings. We've got to talk about Pope and Butler. As you mentioned, an excellent partnership, which really rescued us because we were looking um, a little bit light in batting. I think it's fair to say coming into this test, taking Crawley out, uh, which we weren't too sure about coming into it. Dan and I were quite surprised by that. But obviously, we won the game. That was probably a good decision on balance. But yeah, where do you want to start, Dan? There's so much. I could I could talk more morning. Can
0: we start- yeah, it's bit again. You know, even though we missed a date, there's so many storylines coming out of this test and this series. Can we start with the England team selection? Um, I was so surprised to wake up on Thursday, it's been Thursday morning, Thursday, Thursday morning, to see that um we dropped Crawley. I mean, in our team predictions and in my in my eyes, it was always where's the bowling going to change. We locked the batting in, and England instead opted to drop Crawley, move everybody one up the order, and then slot Archer and Anderson back into the team, uh, Curran dropping out in the, in the bowling attack. It was fascinating for me because, I don't know why, but I always thought if they're going to drop a batsman, they'd, not that he deserves dropping by any means, I'm not saying he does, but Pope, because then you'd have to shuffle the batting order around. You just move Butler up one. And then, because Root hates three, Stokes doesn't bat four that much. But it, in this test, it kind of made sense. Stokes, you're not using as a bowler really shakes up the whole dynamic of the team doesn't it because they then have to really reshuffle and that allows him to bat a four because he's not thinking about his bowling and it was really interesting and, and like you said it worked we've won the test there's no way that's a long-term solution and it shows how important Stokes' bowling is to the team and how it affects the balance of the entire attack and the entire batting line because yeah we we did feel a man short didn't we when we were 130 for four and all of a sudden Butler was in and the ball was still doing it but I think you're spot on there.
2: Totally agree with those points. Wokes batting at seven. He's bowled beautifully. We, we, um, we're looking forward to really analysing that soon later on in the podcast, but his batting has, you know, he hasn't looked test match sharp. He just hasn't. He was bad. two
0: That's... places too high up for me. I think he's a, a nine. I well, think I he's be. an excellent an eight. number
2: nine. Yeah. He would make an eight, seven, seven out of four, you know, seven having not scored um, many test runs, obviously recently having missed the first game. Yeah. The batting looked a bit ropey, and it took a really commanding innings from Pope to see us through. I mean, there was so much confidence there; he really dominated that day, and it was a real shame that he didn't add to his total the next morning. That I think we all, could, again, you know, as any England fan, you want to see your you want to see a batsman get hundreds, get big scores, and it was a real shame that he he, he couldn't add. But I think the damage had been done by then. I think that that combination of him and Butler, Dan and I have been saying on this show that we want more from Butler, that we need more more high scores from him. Was it a high enough score in the context of keeping his place? Yes, that 67 changed the game. It put us in the driving seat for the rest of the test. I w- Again, I would love it to be a bit higher. I really want him to be getting into the, into the 80s, especially if he's batting at number six. You know, there is a higher expectation if he if he if he is going to bat there. But that said, he did his job. He did it wonderfully. It was, you know, it was a slow start. He did. He was finding his feet in the innings. I like that. I love watching a test match and seeing a batsman really find their find their come into their stride. I think it's it's fair to say. So, yeah, from the first innings, I think it's it was the Pope and Butler show. With Broad coming in and just hammering those those extra runs that pushed us, you know, 369 is a really good total on on pretty much any pitch that's going to be competitive. You're giving your bowlers a lot to work with. And the West Indies didn't really have much much of an answer.
0: Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. I think that that Pope Butler partnership. Um, he got those that got us that runs on the board that we need, that they always talk about in the first innings. And like you said, 350 is pretty... You, we want 400 to really control the game, but 350, 369, neither here nor there, is it? I really enjoyed Butler's innings, actually. You know, I gave him a lot of flack in, in the first episode of Carrot Corner. If you want to go back <laughs> and listen to that, I, w- I was not happy. Um, and I was calling for his head, basically, and, and folks to come in. But this knock at six... 130-odd for, t- uh, for four, ball moving about a bit, was a really you know mature, professional knock. He, he was trusting his defence, he was leaving well, he hit his two sixes off Cornwall at a great sort of time when the West Indies looked flat, so you, you still got that sort of Joss Butler-ish uh, part of his innings, but he was also really just confident in himself I thought he looked fantastic and researched the task of bang at 6 which I don't think he'll have to do a lot like I said if Stokes is fit to bowl everyone moves back to as you were root of 4 Stokes at 5 and another batsman comes in but for this match he uh, could have been 130 for 5 knowing but he'll play around and get himself bowled but he didn't trusted his defence and looked really really sharp and then alongside I think England's most exciting batsman at the minute Ollie Pope looks unbelievable looks exactly like Ian Bell by the way Carlos Brathwaite on TMS was um, saying how uncanny it was. I think Tendulka tweeted about it as well, um, with a sort of side-by-side of a little cut shot from both of them. And they're both ginger, so I guess (laughs) there it is. But yeah, he looks fantastic. He's busy. Um, He's just a different pace to the rest of the England batsmen, I think. And although he didn't convert this to a ton, that 91 was invaluable. Um, and he's got such a big future either at five or six and I can see later in his career he even probably coming a little bit higher up the order and then much like his spell in the second test with the new ball Stuart Ball changed the game England being bowled out for 300 after being 250 for four overnight would, would have really given the West Indies some great momentum going into their second innings whilst also sort of flattening the England uh, attack and you know the West Indies might have backed totally differently but like you said a tired attack Broad just swung his bat, looked like the old Broad we know and love, and changed the game. And then he came out with the rest of the attack, knees pumping, and got those early wickets. It, it really was game changing, and was great to see. And then the West Indies looked flat from the moment they came out to bat.
2: Yeah, I I've got to agree with that.
0: I feel like Test cricket, especially,
2: you know, it's such a long period of time to play sport. Five days is pretty much unprecedented among other other types of sport, right? And I feel like momentum is so, so important for this game. We saw that in the broad spell in the second test, right? Where he just got a few extra wickets late on and the entire game swings. And you would be surprised that, you know, a five day match is going to change in such quick moments. Like, broad you know he's batting quickly an hour or so he was probably at the crease it wasn't particularly long um yeah exactly 66 minutes it wasn't long but those 66 minutes at the crease he only faced 45 balls but with a strike rate of 137 that's doing so much damage and that really put the momentum straight away towards england because then suddenly west indies were coming into bat and they were just a little bit nervous because there was then pressure on them to match or obviously as you want to be doing for your first innings better your opponent's score and I just wasn't convinced in any way by their by their attack. We can we can talk about them a little bit later, but sticking with England for the time being, our, our attack just our bowling attack just looked excellent. You've got Anderson, Broad, Archer, Wokes. That's pretty formidable.
0: That's in, powerful.
2: That's great, isn't it? What what did you think of the four, Dan?
0: Um, I think it was a, it was an interesting decision. Like I said, it was a bit of a shock, I think, to both of us to see them go for that. You know, with Stokes in the team, if you needed him, I think the plan was obviously never to bowl him. And with Bess, who didn't bowl a whole ball in the test match. Poor guy. But yeah, those four are a scary attack. I think it was a clever decision in the end to do it. Obviously, that's easy to say, you no, know, we're on the test. But it was, it was a, a pace attack that was going to take 20 wickets. And we didn't look quite like doing that in the first test match. And we didn't. And this attack, you knew, would take the 20 wickets. I found it interesting... He was brilliant how Root used them. They all sort of bowled six or seven over spells. And then the West Indies batting line never had a break, did they? Anderson and Broad, right. You get Wokes and Archer coming on next. Okay, back to Broad and Anderson. And Bess wasn't used because he simply wasn't needed because these, these four guys were so good and so clinical for the whole test match. There was no need for spin. I can't see these four ever playing together again, honestly because of Stokes and the sort of enigma he is with his bowling and his batting. But it was fun, wasn't it?
2: It was great. There was there was so much to enjoy. And I just I thought, you know, watching the highlights back, I'm glad I'm not a West Indies batsman because, as you said, there was no there was no break. They didn't have Root and Bess to break it up. For even half an hour, 40 minutes of just some spin for them just to take the pressure off. Again, it could have been, you know, it could have been an attacking spin. But with our with our bowlers at the minute, Bess and brute, you would have felt quite comfortable, you know, plodding away, getting your three and over and just getting getting some runs on the board. The West Indies batsmen didn't have the opportunity because, as you said, it was just a rotation of four outstanding bowlers. Wokes in these conditions can be unplayable, which we which was proven in that second innings where he just got a string of lbws and the west indies tail couldn't deal with a moving ball and even the upper order i mean i was never convinced by the by the opening pairing of uh Brathway and campbell for west indies they didn't ever look convincing to me uh hope coming in at three clearly has talent clearly has ability but it just didn't translate into substantial scores and then you had like Dan and I were doing a little bit of research before the podcast, and we were looking at the averages of the players, and Brooks, Chase, and Blackwood seemed to rotate. One of them would get a 50 or a 40, while the others would get a 9, a 4, a 10. And there was just – I was just never convinced by the West Indies batting, just in these conditions especially, but no one – no one really looked – you know, really looked better than anyone else in a way. I guess is what I'm trying to say. They all had moments. They all had came up and got a got a decent score at one point. But over six innings, did I think that any of the West Indies batsmen stood out? Absolutely not. And I was pretty disappointed by that.
0: Yeah, there there was lots of talk, wasn't there, about the batting frailties of this this lineup before the series started. And then we never saw that in Southampton. They dug in, and I was like, wow, this is going to be a really tough series. And then with each batting innings, they got really it got worse, didn't it? Each batting innings was just sort of shambles after shambles. No player ever looked in, barring Blackwood's 95 at Southampton, where way more batsmen also showed up. I just thought that none of the batsmen ever looked in. They're always a shot away, whether themselves they're doing it themselves or um, you know a good bit of bowling, which happened quite a lot. But I think Shy Hope was the perfect example today. He was 31 off 38 balls and he did four fours, looking in good touch, and then he just spoons this, he he tries to pull a ball that isn't there to pull off Wokes and just toe-ends it to Broad coming in from, I think, mid-wicket or something. But that's the kind of thing that was starting to annoy, I think, a lot of the, the West Indian commentators who were just saying that we've got this great talent here and each player's probably played one or two great shots in their innings. And you're thinking, if you can just sit down and do that, you know, for a for test match innings like Sibley in the in the second test, and do it 500 minutes or however long it was, then they would have had a real chance in all of these games because all of these batsmen have got fantastic talent and fantastic shot making abilities. They have just their own, they're either their own worst enemy or a good bit of bowling combination of the two, and, and it meant none of them could ever kick on in any of their innings.
2: Yeah, do you think it's fair to say that none of them took responsibility? for the team as a whole at at times i felt it was a lot of individuals especially in in the batting sense i like their bowling unit more um they seemed a little bit tighter if they were all fully fit but did you feel like i did dan that it was just a lot of individuals in that west indies batting lineup who just weren't really willing to make a sacrifice you know slow down their scoring rate and really put their head over the ball and as you said bat it out like like sibley and burns did so well
0: yeah, barring Blackwood's innings in Southampton, I, I agree. I don't think anyone was quite there for the long the long haul. For whatever reason, whether it's technical or mental, combination of two, the amount of 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s that we saw from their whole middle order and Brathwaite was just, it was it was annoying to see because if if one of them goes on and makes a big 100, that means there's a partnership. you looking at another 100 runs on top of the innings there and then... England really starting to have to think and their bowlers are getting tired and Broad and Wokes so aren't getting on these runs they're getting on where you're falling so quickly. So it's safe to say their batting let them down massively as these innings went on. And it was a shame to see because like I said, some of them look fantastic. Blackwood, Shy Hope, they've all got wonderful shot-making ability, but they just couldn't quite put an in innings together.
2: It was the, probably that test match discipline. That's probably the word we're searching for. Yeah, it? I think got it. Yeah, they've got the, they've got the ability And it is just a shame when they're not converting any of these scores. As as you said, no one got a century, um, which over three games is a real shame. Um, Moving on to the England second innings, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Dan. So I think we just about got it spot on. I think there was – I was following the live text. I caught caught quite a few overs of this. Um, I really enjoyed watching it because there was a lot going on. But, yeah, for those listening – who were just catching up on the game. So England second innings, we, we basically, we wanted quick runs. Uh, West Indies avoided the follow-on, which I was really hoping we might just um, we might just manage. But they, the West Indies avoided that, so England came into the second innings with a, with a solid lead. And we just weren't quite sure whether a few people were saying on Twitter that, you know, are we going to do the same thing and send Butler and Stokes out? Or are we going to keep our openers? And I think, again, retrospect, it's easy to say we got it right. I think we did at the time. But did you think that for, you know, a couple of overs, maybe 10 overs of our second innings, do you think we were scoring a bit too slowly and that Burns and Sibley perhaps didn't adapt as they could have?
0: Yes, just about. Tough I think one. I agree <laughs> with you. I think I just about agree with you in so much as, yeah, there was the real lull at like 60 for none, where everyone knew the weather on on day four was going to be apocalyptic and there was gonna be no play. Also really interesting. And I think it sums up the series quite well. In, you know, in the last test, England's really quick, opening with, with Stokes and Butler. And this, predicting a day's weather and playing for there being no day four. You know, the, the weather forecast is why I got it wrong. They obviously didn't. They knew it was coming in. It was fine to play for it. But I thought that was really interesting anyway. I've not seen that for a while. Um, but back to your point about where we're too slow. I think they were for a little lull, as you said. And, and everyone's getting a bit sort of itchy. And they were like, come on, guys, this, this game we've got so many runs on the board. We know the West Indies are only going to get if we gave them all of day five. That's ninety-five overs, maybe making up for time. They're not going to get these runs. So what are we, what are we messing around with here? So let's have a quick look at Sibley's scoring rate in that. He was fifty-six off one thirty-two, strike rate of forty-two, which for him is speedy Gonzales. Yes, be, that's a no T twenty. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was that anchor of that innings, uh, and Burns with a strike rate of fifty-five kicked on nicely and like you said it it was for a little while but then it wasn't and it turned out being absolutely fine Root's zillings was really nice to see actually um 68 or 56 he's a busy player anyway but he he normally scores at maybe a story of 60 ish but he he doubled that and was looking great so yeah it it, for a minute i was like what are we doing let's just you know let's just chuck arms um and they weren't and then it became fine again do you know what i mean Exactly, I think I think you really are spot on
2: there and isn't it nice, you know, we're watching we're watching a, a match of test cricket in a really competitive series, I think the West Indies we, we're going to be a bit harsh this this podcast episode because they weren't at their best, but they've been extremely good opponents and isn't it brilliant how one of the biggest issues we're having in a game we've comfortably won is did we score quickly enough for roughly 10 <laughs> overs, right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you stories, told me that we'll after the first test I would have thought you were insane because we look so dodgy <laughs> it's That's a really, it's a good problem to
2: have. I think your analysis is spot on. Like we got it right. It would get, it would have been lovely for Burns to get that hundred. But look at this. We've got three batsmen coming out. Burns ninety, Sibley fifty six, Root sixty eight. They've all getting, they all get a big score on the board. All of them got half centuries, and that is just so impressive for our top three to be so convincing they really did again slow at times but they i didn't feel like the west indies were, were anywhere near getting the wickets they needed to make the game in any way competitive
0: and, and burns got out looking to up the rate you know root yeah. declared as soon as burns got out uh, you know he was kind of slog, it wasn't a slog so he was sweeping out well outside his off stump outside of the rough and he got himself a top edge but root declaring there and then showed that he was just trying to get into his ton it was quite unselfish of burns to hit a shot like that he could have hung around probably and got that t- nerdled that 10 off two or three overs but he was trying to get in there in a couple of hits and we knew the game situation and it meant that we had those few overs um, at the end of day three in which we nicked two out. And as soon, you know, the West Indies are going to day five with all 10 wickets and, you, you know, there's more questions being asked. But to lose two like that and that that was game over.
2: I think you're spot on. I <laughs> we won't get into this right now, but I was watching Brentford in the playoffs. Uh,
0: <laughs> the
2: highlight. No, I didn't know at the time, but the highlight of that morning slash afternoon in wyoming it wasn't going to be the football it was going to be us getting those two wickets um, at the yeah. end of the day's play and yeah i was cheering them just you know just because football's on my mind i was cheering them like a goal because it was so satisfying that is yes best cricket is that's, that's a perfect yeah. it was so satisfying it was great you know we batted really really well uh we batted maturely and we gave ourselves enough time you know England captains maybe even root a couple a year or two ago may have just batted for some strange reason for the rest of that day or might have been nervous about the runs on the board the score to defend but we've really showed that attacking intent again you know weather's played a part in this entire test match but I loved it you know you can't beat especially if you're bowling 10 overs at the end of the day lights fading get your quicks on get broad going Get him into a rhythm and it was just great. And my favourite thing in cricket, Dan, I meant to I meant to tell you this on the day, is when a night watchman gets out because that yeah. is just hilarious.
0: And then you, you start, hope comes in thinking, bloody hell, mate, you lasted two balls and I've got I've got broad tearing in with a brand new Duke's ball with nothing to gain for that team that come in and bat for that ten overs. They can't do anything other than survive, and that's never a nice mindset to be in. I'm sure opening a, a, in a Test match, so. Yeah, it was great to see that intent. And obviously being one nil down in the series, and we had to win the series to to regain the Wisden Trophy. Root's captaincy, I thought, was really good, really aggressive. Um, he uses bowl as well, uh, timed the declarations correctly, upped his pace of scoring when he needed to, and just set this game up for us perfectly, didn't he?
2: I think he's growing into the, wall, in, into the role. I think he, I was, I was, you know, his first first year in charge, first couple of series, I wasn't always convinced him you know there were there was always, there's always going to be questionable decisions but i think the more i see of him especially in really tight series like this because obviously stokes was the captain for that first game so he's got a hundred percent win ratio in the in these um in the two games he did captain route and yeah does his batting suffer as a consequence of this sometimes you know we've talked about him not wanting to bat at three but this test showed that he could manage a game well he can still bat well Um, you know he was run out unfortunately in the first in the first innings but he really got that excellent 68 in the second and I was really impressed by him and I think he's he really is growing I feel is the right word I think he's really improving test by test and he's he's becoming a really formidable captain and I think he's becoming more aggressive as well which as England fans we love to see
0: yeah I agree I I totally agree I I love the aggression throughout the whole series obviously he wasn't captain in the first test and he was sort of chasing the series and he he chased it and won it. And it was great to see. His band has definitely suffered. But, you know, he still averages high 40s over his career. And I think you'd, you'd take that for your number four any day. Plus a good captain, plus a good catcher and a guy who can bowl a little bit. You know, he, he, is, he is fantastic. I'd like to, in looking at the West Indies second innings, uh, the final innings of this series, look at the England bowling attack whilst looking at their batting. Like we said, it was, it was a formidable foursome um, of pace bowlers. Should we talk about Stuart Broad for a bit? He got his 500th test, w- test wicket today. Didn't realise he was coming anywhere near that landmark because I, I remember Anderson getting that a few years ago. Ugh, you know, we waxed lyrical about him last Test match because he was so good and changed the game. And he changed the game with bat and ball here, uh, got himself a ten for and that, that 60. Glenn, what do you think of Broad in in the wider picture of you know how lucky are, we are to have him and what he was like in this game?
2: He's so impressive. As we said earlier, he almost he almost upped the pressure on himself by by speaking out as he did when he was dropped in that first test but I think he proved to everyone selectors fans you know his dad's the match referee so <laughs> So quite wonderfully, his dad was able to be in the ground to see him take that 500th test wicket, which I thought was quite poetic. Um, He has been a real energy, and I think he brought the passion that this series needed, especially after that loss. I think, as you you said it, you said it wonderfully a minute ago, you know, we were chasing, we were chasing a series and we caught up and we did it. And he was the architect of that. His bowling was just brilliant. You know, with a new ball, he just always, he wanted it and he always looked like he was going to get wickets. Throughout every innings, I think he bowled in, he was just always moving. It It was nipping away, it was nipping in. And it was just the energy and passion that he brings to the England team that we're really lacking without him. You know, Wokes and Archer, I love them both. Very different cricketers. But they, they're they very much more reserved. They keep themselves to themselves in their bowling. Obviously, you see celebrations, you, you do the, the passions there, but they show it in different ways. Whereas Broad, it's almost made for the cameras, right? You know, we've talked about his celebration appeals his sell appeals he he really is a character and i was just really really happy to see to see him and anderson working in tandem backed up by a bowler that we've advocated for in our three episodes which is chris wokes he picked up his fifer. he you know he got three lbws in a row holder dalwich cornwall he was doing all sorts with the ball and the west indies didn't really have an answer to what i can only describe as classical english um conditions
0: yeah, and classical English bowling uh, line and length hitting the stumps. I think there were 26 LBWs in this series against the West Indies, which is a hell of a lot, and that's down possibly to the technique. But the stump to stump full bowling from the England attack that clearly was they they realised was gonna was gonna do a number on the West Indies and did. And Wokes and Broad, you know, and Anderson, who you know away, you know, when he's he sort of not the leader of the attackers. I don't think he was in this test. He he holds an end nicely and they bowl it full and they bowl it straight and they get the wickets and, you know, the wizard Chris Wokes, let's come on to him for a little while as well. We He didn't get dropped, which was a miracle. So, you know, as, as shocked as I was to see um, the batsman getting dropped for this test, it meant Wokes was still in. Like I said, I think he was a bit high at seven and his batting hasn't done itself justice yet. I look forward to seeing him, you know, batting again soon. But his bowling has been unbelievable. A deserved five wicket haul, you know, I think we, we touched on this last episode, but is he England's forgotten man? And will he be forgotten in the Pakistan series again?
2: <laughs> great, great, um, great talking point there, Dan, because I read a, a piece by Nasser Hussain uh, just after this test finished. And he was already saying that Wokes is going to be dropped for the, for the Pakistan <laughs> test or that he thinks he should be. It's, it's such a shame for him. I mean, yeah, batting aside, that doesn't really matter in, in this game because he's got a five for he's 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 won us i would argue he's won us the game in that second innings he's he's Mm. done the job he's cleaned up yeah is it enough i think selectors are having one eye on our on our tests away from home you know we're hearing a lot about australian conditions and how even broad and anderson together haven't necessarily worked abroad before because they're just not quick enough if the ball's not moving around and unfortunately wokes fits directly into that category you're looking at mid 80s if it's not nipping around on a flat track he's probably not going to get many wickets but i think dropping him for another home series coming up starting very soon early august against pakistan i want to keep him in the team i i want to make room for him in this team and give him that space to be like listen actually we're giving you the ball we can give you the new ball occasionally and if you get you know your wickets you should stay in the team for home tests it's really tough and just something tells me that we might not be talking about him in a week's time
0: <laughs> Yeah, I know I know and I think I agree that with Nasser and yourself uh, that we might not be talking to him about him in a week's time maybe we could talk to him in a week's time He's if got nothing got else to got. Do. exactly <laughs> but yeah I, there's definitely an argument abroad that he doesn't average very well at all his bowling averages goes well up into the 40s and 50s numbers you don't want to see from your third seamer so I think that's an argument for when England are playing away. Um, let's talk about Chris Wokes in the UK and how good he is, like you've just said. I like Sam Curran, but I think Wokes, the past two test matches, has really not well pushed his, pushed Curran out of the way and, and put himself up there as England's third or fourth seamer, should they be playing one. It's such a wealth of seam bowling at the minute, of fit seam bowling as well, which we don't often have. And Chris Wokes needs to be talked about in higher regards, in my opinion. Uh, and like you said, his batting doesn't matter because, we, you know, one of the top six needs to come in. It doesn't rest on Chris Wokes. It's nice when he contributes. doesn't matter if he doesn't. So, yeah, I agree. I don't think we we're going to see him in that first test against Pakistan in a week. But hopefully at some point again in the series because he's done nothing wrong and he's done everything right. And then, you know, if we if we look at Joffre Archer in this match, a lot of controversy surrounding him coming back in. Um, his match figures, one wicket. So none for 24 in the second innings. And one for 72 uh in the first inning so i'll start off of my head 24 Nine, One for 96 not a great return for archer who was surrounded by a lot of controversy coming out of the second test and into this well, what are your thoughts glenn
2: you know i was thinking about this just before our before our episode started and i don't it's almost strange because i don't really have a strong opinion of him right now either way whereas broad and woke's Broad goes without saying, I think the entire country can agree that he is going to be in this team for the next series. But Wokes, I have a real I have a real urge to like say to people who, you know, following him, like give him another chance, like give him time and he will he will get us wickets. He's a cracking cricketer. Whereas Archer, I'm not trying to defend him. I'm not trying to attack him. I think I'm just I just feel a bit flat at the minute talking, talking about him in general, because, they, you know, his batting is nowhere to be found right now. Again, he's not a batsman. Let's just stick to the bowling. But he, he just, you never know what you're going to get with him. And this is, you know, this is why he's obviously renowned as one of the best short form bowlers in the game, because he is going to perform, whether it's four overs or 10, T20 one day. When you give him that red ball, I feel it's more of a bit of a roulette which Archer we're going to see, he always has it in him to get a really important wicket and to make things happen. And, you know, when he got Campbell out, that was, that was excellent. I love that. And he does have the ability to, to really bang it in and, you know, knock the batsman off of any form that they were building up in an in innings. But, you know, one wicket over two innings isn't enough. He was quite expensive. He was going at four and over in that first West Indies innings. And I was just left a bit disappointed by him, especially in this context of controversy and him letting himself down and honestly letting the team down. I think that I think the as we discussed, I think the punishment was fair enough and I'm glad to see him again. But, you know, whereas Broad, you know, he was dropped, he bounced back. He looked like his best. You know, Archer was probably I would argue he was lucky to come back into the side for this test and he didn't really do enough. What, What do you think, Dan?
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to echo a lot of what you just said. Um, the, I think roulette's a really cool way to describe him. That sums it up perfectly. That he is, he he can be one or the other depending on the day. Let's start with his inclusion. After he came out and said, you know, you know, he's been seeking sort of mental health counselling with the England team and the racist abuse he's been receiving online <laughs> clearly isn't. He's struggling with it at the minute, and it's horrible. And you, you obviously want to be happening, but. Knowing that, I'm really surprised ECB didn't say, right, let's not play you in the third test. You leave the bubble for now, go home, chill, get your mind off cricket for a bit, and then come back for the Pakistan series. That would have been really easy to do. I'm really surprised they didn't because he just didn't seem there in this test match. Like you said, his wicket to get Campbell in the first innings is really what you expect from him. Full, 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 that quick. You can't tell when his short ball's going to be delivered in his stride. And he just bowled the short ball that surprised Campbell and he got him out. And that was vintage Archer. And then we did not see that for the rest of uh, the rest of his bowling. Um, he pushed Dowrich back and he doesn't look great with the short ball. And maybe he's part of the attack that helps get these wickets. He pushes batsmen back. He gets them a bit scared, a bit rattled. And then Broad and Wokes come and clean up. But yeah, I'm, I'm just surprised he was even in the team in the first place. With, with what's been going on outside of cricket. I think it would have been better to probably say, you know, my mate, go home, get your head straight. You know, we want you back ready for the Pakistan game. Instead of putting him through this test and back through the bubble and the quarantine. And he was bowling in in plastic gloves, you know, during the second test. And it just all felt a bit strange, really. And yeah, I think you said it best. He's a bit of a roulette at the minute.
2: Yeah, he is a wonderful option to have him and him and Wood, you know, we haven't seen 90 plus miles an hour for, for a couple of years consistently for England now. Right. Mm. And again, there was that kind of it was a bit of a poor metaphor that was used in in Joff's first tests um, last summer, which was like he was a new toy and, you know, Root was too keen and over him. And then he got a stress fracture and he was I don't think he was looked after. I think we can place a lot of the responsibility at the hands of the England cricket um, administration i don't think he's been treated with enough care um you know i think that he's been pushed too far especially last summer which is why i think on retrospect i was glad that the that he was welcomed back into the fold in a way because it was like okay we do care about you as a human being as well not just this machine that bowls yeah. 90 plus when we want you and then we drop you when we don't mm-hmm. i really agree with you that perhaps bringing him you know into the actual squad and first 11 for this final test wasn't perhaps the best idea it's hard to say because we could be you know we, we could have been looking back now and saying you know it could have been archer Pfeiffer and he won us the game so it's this unpredictable unpredictability that you know it's part of his charm but it, it does worry me a little bit we don't want to overuse him and again you you've mentioned you know the awful treatment that he's received online and stuff like it's just bang out of order and i want to make sure that you know taking him as a person before a player that he really is getting the support he needs from the England setup to deal with this horrible stuff and as we said being in isolation by himself must have been horrible for a couple of days like no one wants to do that so that said i think i think he was unlucky not to get more wickets and i think you got it right his job really was to rough up the batsman right and make it easier for people like wokes to pick up those wickets because he, he you know he could bang it in short and really upset them upset their rhythm so yeah, I really like him. I'm a big fan. It's just a case of which Archer's going to show up for the test, um, which, which, which leaves selection, selection concerns, I guess, coming forward.
0: Yeah, it's a weird one with selection because I just feel like he's got so much sort of stock and clout in cricket and he's such um, a talent to be able to have on a team. They don't want to not play him if he's not fit. And I think, you know, is it time to drop Archer on form? Yeah, he's not played that much for us and there's no county cricket going on at the minute. So we, we can't send him away and get him bowling a few overs for Sussex. So it's, it's a confusing one. And when you have someone with so much skill and pace as a bowler, you know he's got that. He's done it and he's not doing it, but you know he can do it. They're just sort of keeping him in. It's such a tough one. And I think it's just a big part, a small part of the big debate that is England's bowling lineup. And what, what, how do they choose a, an attack at the minute?
2: I think you're spot on and I think we've got to be careful not to cherry pick especially with Archer because just looking back to the figures you know when he played in the first test of this series West Indies second innings obviously we needed we weren't defending many runs and we needed 10 wickets and he took he took the new ball and he came through with a really exceptional spell ball brathwaite, he got Brooks LBW chase court because they couldn't handle his pace and if we had you know done a little bit more and won that first test i think he would have been one of the heroes so it's really fine lines in cricket and i think we should probably be careful not to think oh he only got one wicket in this third test he didn't bowl well because that's not necessarily the case but that being said i in my recent memory i do not know a more competitive group of bowlers for england and i don't know i've never known such uh, you know such talent and we're always going to be dropping players who, whether it's Wood or Curran for this test, who in other years gone by probably would have been a pick. So, yeah, I think the standards are higher. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say, Dan. I think we are setting the standards so high for ourselves. Yeah. And we've got to be careful not to fall into that trap of expecting, of over-expectation, especially for players who come and go a little bit like Archer and even Wood, you know, these real quicks, who aren't going to have the consistency of people bowling mid-80s.
0: Yeah. I think that's really well put. And you know, Anderson obviously has a lot more Test wickets than Jofra Archer, but he sometimes he doesn't come on the scorecard yeah. as much, and we don't we don't have a go at him. So spot on. We're taking the 20 wickets. His bowling attack is working as a unit, and it's it's winning us Tests. And I'm glad I don't have you know Root said in his post-match, it's a good headache to have this selection problem, and I'm sure it is. But I don't envy him having that headache and that decision to make. With that and with the sort of plethora of England players, should we have a quick sort of review of the series? Let's let's see how he rated all these England players that, that we've seen and the West Indies as well. And let's just sort of look at the series in, in a slightly wider angle here. Ratings out of 10. Let me do my England players first. And then we'll come to you, Glenn, and then we'll discuss the sort of maybe slightly controversial ones. I don't let's know. do it. We don't know what each of us scored yet, by the way. So this could, it, we could argue, we could agree. <laughs> but out of 10, Sibley, 7. Burns, seven. Root, five. Stokes, nine. Pope, six. Butler, five. Wokes, eight, of course. Bess, uh, six. Archer, five. Broad, nine. Anderson, six. So that was a starting 11 for the most recent game. Uh, And then Curran, five. Crawley, five. Denley, four. Wood, four. Glenn, can I hear your ratings? Yes.
2: I like that. Um, So Burns i'm gonna give an eight sibley seven root six i'm, I'm, I'm surprised by your five but i like it mm-hmm. a talking point for a moment mm-hmm. stokes eight pope i'm gonna give a seven mm-hmm. it would have been extremely low if he hadn't scored um yeah. this this game butler six woke's eight best is going to be a four unfortunately the poor bloke didn't even bowl in this test uh, that is harsh again we can come on to that in a moment archer six broad nine anderson seven and then you get to the people that kind of dropped in and out of the team Curran six cruelly five denley is a three because i think it was his last test for england yeah and wood's going to get a six.
0: Ooh, you gave wood a six i only gave him a four four oh, there's a bit of a they difference they only played that one test match and i just don't think it was a shame because he's kind of so much form for south africa which was you know now six months ago they didn't quite have that i think he's a bit he's a bit of a <coughs> excuse me an archer thing that people bowling that quick they're going to be on and off and it was just one of his off test matches and we've not seen him since weirdly enough i thought he'd have played two out of three personally
2: you know i i i'm inclined i'm just reviewing that scorecard from the first test and yeah i think i think a six Especially comparing to the other scores I gave, might be a touch high. He only got one wicket, and that was the wonderful Gabriel, who is of the, <laughs> the man the, who averaged four. Yes, and, he, and what, what did he get? He got he got four runs, oh, <laughs> true uh, to his average. Yeah, average. I think I've overscored with there. I think you're spot on, Root, What? G- give me give me your thoughts on Root. Were you just disappointed with with his batting?
0: Well, so he's only played two Test matches, and I oh, commended him for his. Um... Uh, his captaincy and, and the knock in in the second innings of the first test. <sighs> Why did I go five because he got run out in the second innings of the second test because they were chasing runs that's fine. No knock in the first innings uh, and then run out in the first innings of the the, the third test. I don't know, I just something about Root's batting. Captaincy's fantastic. His batting he needs to get a ton. Do you know what I mean? I agree. It's, I it's I don't no that isn't it? it. That he can't convert and I know he wasn't really given a chance. He had, you know, he was run out twice. And then the other two, they were chasing a declaration. But I'm desperate for roots to get a big score and a captain's knock pretty soon. So I think that's why I went for a five.
2: I'm I'm gonna agree with you. I think his yeah, his captaincy elevated it. I think on paper, yeah. You shouldn't be getting run out um in Test cricket, and you certainly shouldn't be getting yeah. run out twice in a series. That's really poor. And you said it right, you know, we were chasing runs and things happened, don't get me wrong, but twice yeah. seems seems like he's not communicating, which is ironic for for a captain who's captain. in that in that part I of the game.
0: I think his batting has suffered since he's been captain. I just want to see him get a knock. I think that's all it is. It's stopping me from really, you know, I praising agree. him totally. Um but you know, he's had a great series, they won the series. Um and he had a kid, so pretty successful few weeks for him, I guess. Yes. So I don't think he will care about my five <laughs> Well, just look at the batting line up there. I'm so happy with that. I'd put Crawley back in there. And then how how exciting is that, right? Yeah, I love it. I think it's it,
2: honestly we're we we're, we're, we're talking talking very positively about the bowling, but there's a lot to love in that in that batting too. And I just think. I think this packet. I'm so glad we're playing Pakistan so soon after this because you know I think the West Indies we're going to score them in a moment but they kind of they withered away in the last two their squad was too small they didn't have the they didn't have the fitness levels that I think it's fair to say England did they were carrying injuries and still playing and I would I would love to see us I hope Pakistan have a little bit more depth in their squads and we're going to do a bit of research before the next um test podcast because i'm really excited to really dig deep into that pakistan team but i really hope they provide more of a threat it's fair to say over the entire test series because i think this i think we're pretty much all in agreement that the west indies capitulated in the third test because they weren't fit enough um so yes england brilliant on paper brilliant in in performance those those second and third tests but i would love to see that challenge you know renewed in a week's time i don't want to get over excited because you know we're not that many we're not that many um wickets away from an early collapse especially with our with our batting with our batting lineup in this third test looking a little bit a little bit on the weaker side but i'm excited and i love being excited about this
0: yeah i I agree it's it's very exciting so let's have a quick look at the west indies i think like you said and we said at the top of the show they look tired um brass Carlos brathway on cms said today their flight um is about 4.30 this morning, you know, in in about five hours from now at the time of recording. I think they were all kind of had one eye on that toward the last couple of days. Yes. I'm sure day four when it was totally rained off, sat in that hotel in Manchester, they were just wondering what they were doing. Um, (laughs) We'll come on to the part they played in this series um, in a more general, you know, tone after after we look at their team. So they only played 13 players, um, which I found quite interesting. Uh, So Brathwaite, I gave them five. John Campbell only a three. He had no scores, but I thought he looked he looked really solid as a batsman, which couldn't put a score together. Hope disappointed with four. Brooks some really nice contributions, a six out of ten. Chase a five, good decent with bat, decent with ball, couldn't quite put it all together at the same time. Backward his really good knock um, at the Ageus Bowl again, a six. Dowrich the keeper only a four. Didn't have the greatest test this time either. Jason Holder, I'll give him an eight. Um, I just I love what he does. I love him as a cricketer. Raheem Cornwall, we played in this game. I gave him a three. No <laughs> wickets. Couple of beautiful shots, but then some like howler. Oh, a great catch at first slip. Then an unbelievable drop at first yep. slip. Yep. And then both his dismissals, his feet were not moving, and he just got <laughs> trapped straight in front. Uh, I've given Roach and Gabriel seven each. Um, Gabriel at seven because, you know, his body is shot. I don't know how he even mustered up any overs in the final test. And then Alzari Joseph who got dropped in this match on game not four. He didn't really he didn't really give that much to me, to be honest. And he's supposed to be the next shining light and I didn't get much from him. Ben.
2: I am gonna follow with near identical scores there, oh, Down. Brathwaite five, Campbell three. I mean, almost two, but uh, he just uh, you you need more from your opening batsman. Yeah. They they weren't good enough. Hope I gave a three. I wanted more from him. I think he's an excellent batsman, and he did not show it this series. Brooks six. Watching watching them bat in real time, he was possibly my favorite West Indies batsman in the series. He looked really fluent, some lovely cover drives. Uh, so I think he's warranted that six. Chase, I've given a seven actually because mm-hmm. I think he came in with some really handy wickets. He got his fifer, and he came in with some really handy runs. And I think he he does a lot. And I think he's because he's I don't I wouldn't say a boring player, but because he's like a he doesn't wow you with his batting or his bowling. He just gets the job done. So I think he is he, he did pretty well for me. Blackwood six for that for that big score, but didn't really build off that for the rest of the series. Holder six. I mean, I was disappointed with him. I expected so much. And we really had this potential Holder versus Stokes battle to go on, which was the one of the narratives of the first test. And he just kind of, I think he faded away a little bit. Darwich four, didn't do much for me. Cornwall, four. Giving him a four because, although on paper it was a really poor performance, I think he did ball well. And I think he was unfortunate to get some wickets. Um, Roach, seven. He got his 200th test wicket in this Test that just finished, and I think he looked really dangerous. Gabriel, six. is fit. He shouldn't have been playing the games glass he back. did. Yeah,
0: he's glass got an absolute back. back, hasn't he? Poor guy.
2: Um, and Joseph, four. Just just you're forgettable.
0: So pretty similar. If we could talk about Holder, because um, I think he was the biggest difference we had and probably the biggest uh, talent in this team. Reason I'll give him an eight, and I'm starting to kind of go back on that as I was thinking... <laughs> He's won all three tosses, and I think the decision to bat, uh, to bowl first, his third test, was his biggest error, yeah. um, seeing how that went. Um, you can see why he did it, but obviously hindsight, tosses tricky to talk about. His six from the first things was really good, and then I think you're right, he didn't quite deliver with the bat as we thought he would. I think his top score in the series was 46, and that, you know, he is a number eight, but he can offer a lot more normally.
2: Yeah, his, and to be, to be perfectly honest, I think his bowling faded away um he didn't get enough wickets he got he barely got a couple between the second and third tests mm. and he left such an impact i think he's such a intelligent person he speaks so well about the game i I, re- I have a lot of respect for him and he's one of my favorite players in test cricket but yeah he hit he they really did as, as a as a collective group and individually they really peaked in that first test and yeah it's a shame you know he got six wickets and he looks so good um in the first test and then he just didn't deliver with the bat in any way I, I don't think as you said barely got a single substantial score and i was just left a bit underwhelmed by him
0: uh yeah i think maybe i'll bring my eight to a seven because i like <laughs> the bloke and yeah he, these are the kind of conditions you should revel in bowling those high 70s low 80s swinging it around and he couldn't quite uh deliver the goods should we talk about dowrich he wore one in the face in this third test and um Joshua De Silva came on um, as a sub-keeper, which you rarely see, actually, in Test cricket. And he, he looked like a, a barrel of laughs, didn't he? <laughs>
2: he got the, uh, we all saw um, at the time, he got like a standing ovation from the lads on the he pitch. He must be
0: popular in the team. I've never seen anything like that.
2: He, was, he got a guard of honour coming up. <laughs> 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 uh, to, to joke about um, our beloved Birmingham, they retired his shirt number after he, after he came on to the pitch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he um yeah he looked like a right laugh <laughs> i think that's really important <laughs> he took the catch burns and he was he was just like way you know like he like he was <laughs> out with the lads you know and he, they're just called tea or something but um yeah speaking about that which is only to really talk about the silver because Darwich offered pretty little um in the way of um batting his wicket keeping looked pretty poor it's tough to keep in england so i've been told i've never done it but the ball moves around all sorts um yeah oh, yeah yeah, he really struggled and, you know, keep a batting that low. He doesn't really, you know, send fear through a team.
2: No, he picked up a pair in the second test. And yeah, yeah. he just looked miserable. The poor bloke just looked a bit <laughs> sad. I, did, I think I saw him smile once. Um,
0: he, he looked a he, bit lost every time he, and again. He, He's quite a small, you know, slight man as well. He just looked a little bit like he'd just woken up there. Just like a, like a, He'd just been dropped in Manchester in a, <laughs> in, a,
2: in, a, in a pandemic and he wasn't really sure why he was there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> underwhelming and I think would you agree that the general consensus for the for the West Indies team as a whole is exceptional start really you know competed so well in that first test and then just didn't quite have the legs the fitness the depth in the squad to rotate that England were lucky enough to have
0: yeah exactly I think the West Indies shows what they can do um in probably different circumstances um in a full test match series, which is great and they look fantastic and there's a lot to be excited about for them and then I think the whole bubble and you know the confined living quarters and they've been over here for a long time now and I'm sure it was just starting to get to them And and their cricket obviously suffered for it you know they're in Manchester for a month then to move down to Southampton then back up to Manchester must have just been and not to have seen the wide world for a month six weeks now must have been really quite strange I think that's a big big part of what happened but um, a lot of the post-match stuff with Jason Holder was actually about you know and a lot of people have thanked the West Indies and and rightly so you know big sacrifice for them to come over and I think we spoke about that in in the first podcast and you know I'm sure they're very excited to go home and and rightly so you know England have got to kind of repay this now and you know Jason Holder kind of offered a pretty practical um, solution to that and that we should tour the West Indies as soon as we can really you know our cricketing summer wouldn't have occurred without them. Um, so we kind of need to repay that.
2: Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think he spoke really well after the game about the importance that uh, an England tour would do for uh, for West Indies cricket. And, you know, Dan mentioned just before we recorded that we think it's possibly only England and India touring the West Indies that actually gives a profit. But we can also mention that, we, that the West Indies took a 50% pay cut while, you know, they took a 50% pay cut. They traveled across the world in a global pandemic and they haven't seen their friends and family for weeks and basically lived in a hotel for a couple of weeks too, while they were isolating. So they've made a huge sacrifice and yeah, I think thank you West Indies is, is absolutely true. Thank you for coming, for making this summer happen and for competing so well, especially that first test, which was just exceptional. So yeah, we wouldn't be happy. This podcast would not have started if, if the West Indies players hadn't sacrificed a lot. So yeah, I think they've done absolutely wonderfully and I'm so glad to to see them play play really good Test cricket at times. I, I think they really were. There's a lot of potential in there. And I would love to see them play at home again soon because England touring the West Indies would be such an excellent series.
0: Yeah, I think that's what we've seen here. It would be so exciting to to have that happen again. Hopefully soon. And hopefully I think you said getting more West Indian players playing in our county championship, um, which will be a possibility next season, obviously. Um, you know, will be great for West Indies cricket and uh, it's just been a really fun series and I think, you know, part of that's obviously we've had no cricket to talk about for so long but it was also just a great series filled with, you know, narratives and battles within battles as as happens in any test match but, you know, this seemed really heightened by it and, you know, it was a great series. We've got Pakistan to look forward to um, uh, on August the 5th Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, very soon. Uh, right the that's court. Old Trafford as well. So I imagine I think the England players get to leave the bubble for a little while and then come back to Old Trafford. I'm sure they're already fed up with it. Um, we've also got a one day series to look forward to uh, against Ireland. Um, that starts on Thursday, the 30th of July. Um, and that is based at Southampton. And it's kind of a an interesting squad, um, obviously missing the one day players that feature in the test squad. Uh, we'll do a special podcast for that uh, when that little one day series is finished. Um, any any quick thoughts on that, Glenn? Looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, it'll be totally different. I, I don't think there's going to be a great atmosphere for it. Um, I think Ireland is a team in a state of flux and I just I, I can't say I'm really, really excited for the Pakistan test. I'm buzzing for that. I'm kind of more just intrigued about the one-day games. Like, I'm looking forward to them, but I, I'm not convinced they're going to be particularly competitive. You know, it's a second-string England team, and I think even a second-string England one-day team is going to demolish Ireland. So that is my pretty firm prediction. Having seen Ireland last summer, and they really were disappointing.
0: Yeah, I think I'll agree. It's the only, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what fringe players who will get some starting time, what they can do, um, and whether that will sort of shake up. The England squad, when, when all the players are back fully fit. Obviously, with an eye on the 2023 World Cup, trying to retain that, this is sort of, I guess, the start for them. I think it's the first time we've played on home soil since since the World Cup win. I'm saying that questioningly because that doesn't feel right, but it, it might be. Either way, this is the start of another four-year cycle, and it's going to be exciting to see some of those players. So we'll do a podcast for that when the series finishes this time next week, uh, and then we'll have a podcast after the first Pakistan test, which starts at Old Trafford on August the fifth. Um, should we have a quick look at tweet of the week, Glenn? There's, there's been quite a few actually. Should we have tweets of the week? Yeah, we've got a couple. Um, so number one is
2: from Tim Wigmore, who is a journalist a um, Telegraph Sport, also does some stuff for the Economist and ESPN. And this really ties into the discussion we were having moments ago um, about the West Indies and. Tim Wigmore says, West Indies have come to a country with one of the highest COVID 19 death rates in the world and helped save English cricket 280 million this summer. Time for England to show their thanks for supporting West Indies' pleas for away teams to get 20% of broadcasting rights, which I think is spot on. And he follows it up with a second tweet, which is ECB earn, and this is staggering, 220 million a year from broadcasting rights. Cricket West Indies earn 12 million. As we mentioned, West, incredible, isn't it? And he mentions that West Indies players are getting a 50% pay cut. Uh, and he has also pointed out just organising an extra tour doesn't help. The deeper issues needs fundamental reform to safeguard the game in smaller markets. I think that really is spot on.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of looking a bit deeper than what we've just said, and I think you know a lot of people will be calling out for the England tour at West Indies, but he's really looking into the sort of wider issues with with funding across all the the main cricket boards.
2: Yeah, I think absolutely. I'm um, gonna do one more. There was a couple. Uh, there was a couple of really nice tributes to Stuart Broad, and I've just pulled out one from Adam Gilchrist, legendary keeper batsman for Australia, and he says, "Well done." At Stuart Broad 8, a champion's greatest quality is longevity. You are a true true champion. And I think that's lovely. And I mean, I I love, you know, they've been, they've obviously know very well of each other. And Gilchrist is a great player. And it is really nice to see a lot of high quality players pay testament to to Broad's longevity. I think that's the right word. He really is. He really is quality.
0: Yeah. For a fast bold to get 500 wickets, we saw it with Anderson three years ago, who, fun fact, his 500th test wicket was also Craig Brathwaite. bold. MLBW, so ne- nearly the same there yeah, you fast, go for a fastball to get that many wickets is unbelievable one thing that has annoyed me and i think will plague cricket media until the fateful day in which anderson and broad retire is that they all always just talk about them retiring so i'm like come on like anderson i reckon we've got i'm, I'm gonna start talking about it now so <laughs> I immediately contradict myself but i'm gonna gloss over over let's say anderson's got 18 months let's say Broad's got three or four years even, let's just, let's just wait for it to happen and just enjoy watching the bowl. Like lunch today, the back end of the sort of, on TMS, of the Broad tribute was about him retiring. I'm like, guys he's got five of the wickets, let's just sit and enjoy it while we can. Um, and I think it'll be a while longer for Broad. There's talk of Broad and Anderson maybe retiring together, that would be interesting, but I think Broad's got years and years left in him.
2: Yeah, I've got to agree. And yeah, that's just that's just, you know change the tone a little bit. Let's just appreciate them. Let's just focus on on the present. He shouldn't have been dropped for the first test because one of the arguments I heard today was that we were already looking towards the future, but we were forgetting about a present day test against a really good West Indies side and he should have been in that test. We weren't playing Australia away from home. We had a home fixture against the West Indies who, as we found out, clearly don't bat particularly well against the moving ball. And Mm. I think, yeah, there really is a danger that we are looking too far forward. And while we have talents like anderson and broad let's uh, let's play them and appreciate them and that doesn't mean we have to forget about younger players and that doesn't mean there's no access at all to the team for your currents and players like that but it does mean while they are here they're not going to be around forever so while they are here let's enjoy them broad was exceptional yeah. the two games he played and you know we're not going to get a pairing like him and, and anderson you know for at least you know another 10 years so let's just keep watching them
0: yeah Unbelievable. And to think he was dropped from that first test still kind of boggles the mind, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I mean, a fascinating series. Uh, you know, a great start to this podcast as well to have so much great cricket to talk about. Um, we'll be back this time next week for a little look at the uh, the one day series. So we'll move to the white ball and the nice blue kits, you know, in Morgan and all that. Then back onto the good stuff uh, and uh, test cricket on August the 5th. Um, Glenn, thank you so much.
2: Thank you, Dan. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you, everyone who's been listening so far. And yeah, I'm so glad we're doing this. And it's just great to to sit back for an hour and have a real great chat about cricket each week.
0: Exactly. So thank you so much for listening. Um, We'll see you this time next week. This has been Cal Corner. Enjoy the cricket and go well.